You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. We're in part two of the Sermon on the Mount, and I believe you guys finished up about verse 12 of Matthew chapter 5. So if you want to go to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 13 together, and and, you know, this is more of a Bible study format, so we're going to go through a lot of scripture. So, you know, lick your fingers or get your, your iPad finger or your phone finger ready to look things up, but Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 is where we're going to start, and we're going to read a few verses together. And I've had people ask me, you know, Paul, what version of the Bible do you use? Well, uh, I either am going to use the Passion Translation or I'm going to use the New Living Translation. Because sometimes when you move into the Old Testament, the only place that the Passion Translation works there is in Proverbs and Psalms. There, there's not any for that, you know, so we're, we're waiting for the rest of that. And that, that's, a, <laughs> that's a mammoth project, um, but it'll be nice when it comes out. So we're in the TPT right now. Verse 13, your lives are like salt among the people. But if you like salt become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things that you do will shine as light upon them, and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Now, that first verse that we read, verse 13, we're going to talk about salt tonight, and we're going to talk about light, okay? Now, there's only one verse for salt, but preachers are really good at taking one verse and going a long time about it, okay? So I'm going to try to do that tonight, even though we have one verse. So, so Jesus is teaching us that a disciple's character is like salt. It's like salt. So we're going to look at salt tonight. We're designed by God to be salt and light to the world. That's what Jesus is using, these two elements, and he wants us to see what these elements do and what they're about. So before we start, everybody look to your neighbor and say, you are salt. Go ahead, tell them. You're salt. You're salt. So it would probably be a good idea to know exactly the purpose of salt. So we're going to talk about five characteristics of salt. Now, that's not to be confused with you're salty, okay? That's different. I didn't say look at your neighbor and say you're salty. We're talking about the salt, the element salt. Not saltiness (laughs) or being salty. So I'm going to give you five um, characteristics of salt. So let's just start. Number one, salt is distinctive. Now the word distinctive means unique. It's it's different. It's very distinguishing. And and, and salt is totally different from the food that you put it on. You know, I'm so thankful for salt. Man, life would be... (laughs) 
it'd be a different kind of life without salt. I'm just telling you. Some of you are like, my doctor said I can't take salt. Well, man, I'm praying for you. I'm really sorry. If my doctor tells me I can't have salt, I'm going to say, Doc, it's been nice knowing you. But I'm going to keep eating salt. But, but the power of salt lies in its distinctiveness, in its differentness, if that's a word. The power of our lives is in the difference and the distinctiveness like salt. We're not like the world. Can I have an amen? I mean, we're, we're very different from the world. We're called to be very different from the world. Second Corinthians chapter 6, and if, if you want to turn with me and follow along, you're more than welcome to do that tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Listen to this. For this reason, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch nothing that is unclean, and I will embrace you. I will be a true father to you, and you will be my beloved sons and daughters, said the Lord Yahweh Almighty. So we see that that God has given us a promise of embracing us, but it is with a condition of coming out from among the world like salt, right? Salt is distinctive. It's very different than any other food on the table. Number two, the second characteristic. Salt preserves. Now, this is something that we're most all aware about. Salt's unique in that it keeps things from rotting and decaying. How many of y'all have ever got like a sore throat or an infection in your throat and you gargled with salt water, right? So we understand that salt has healing properties. It preserves. Salt cleans. Salt disinfects. Now, there's a very interesting scripture uh, found in the book of Ezekiel. If you go to Ezekiel chapter 16, the, the prophet Ezekiel is speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit here. He's prophesying, and he begins to talk about Israel and their condition. And he begins to explain, you know, what they were, but then he begins to show where he's taking them. And that's what God does. God will say, here's where you were, but I'm not going to leave you there. Here's where I'm going to take you. Amen. So Ezekiel chapter 16, starting with verse 1, then another message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable sins. Give her this message from the sovereign Lord. You were nothing but a Canaanite. Now, that's not a good thing. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. So we have these foreign nations and God said, Israel, you're my chosen people. I don't want you mixing or mingling with these other groups of people because you're a pure people. You're a people that set apart. And so now God's saying, look, because you've defiled yourself and you've intermarried with all these other people. And we understand that God's not talking about people today. That was God's way of showing us not mingling and compromising with sin in our life, right? Because we understand God loves everybody. But this was Old Testament and God's teaching man how to understand his heart. He says, so you're nothing but a Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite. Your mother was a Hittite. Verse 4, on the day you were born, no one cared about you. Your umbilical cord was not cut. You were never washed, rubbed with salt, and wrapped in cloth. No one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you. Nobody cared for you. On the day you were born, you were unwanted, dumped in a field, and left to die. But I came by, now watch this, but I came by and I saw you there, helplessly kicking about in your own blood. As you lay there, I said, live, and I helped you thrive like a plant in the field, and you grew up and became a beautiful jewel. I mean, what a 
beautiful picture of God's redemptive work in our life. I mean, I don't, church, honestly, you know, I think about God picking me, and I'm thinking, God, why in the world would you have ever have picked me? You know, I'm reminded of a story of Michelangelo. One day this guy came by, and he saw Michelangelo, and he was chipping away with a, with a, a chisel and a hammer on this big, ugly rock. And he was just chipping away and chipping away. And this man came up to him and he said, what are you doing chipping away at that big, ugly rock? And he says, I see an angel in this stone and I'm trying to set it free. You know, when I think about me and I think about some of you here, and you know, we would probably say we were one big, ugly rock. But God takes our life and he applies his salt, his purity, his, and he preserves us and he brings us back to life, just like we see in this analogy. What a beautiful picture of salvation and God preserving our life. And as a follower of Christ, we're called to bring life. We're called to bring health. We're called to bring purity to our surroundings. We're called to be a disinfectant to the world, on the job, with our families, when we go out. Places that we go, we're called to be a disinfectant. So I, so I understand I'm salt, which is a preservative. I'm not going to sit around in the workplace and tell coarse jokes and entertain worldly things with, with my friends. You know, I remember when I first got saved at 23 and, and I, I worked for a company and, you know, there, was a, there were about 20-something men totally employed there and most of them were younger guys, um, more my age in my early 20s. And the majority of all those guys weren't saved. You know, and you got a lot of you guys that have worked in the workplace, you understand that. You know, they're talking about who they slept with and the parties they had the night before and the drugs they did and, you know, and, and just, you know, pursuing money and worldly things. And I remember all of those, all of those conversations that those guys were having, but I remember the mandate that I knew God had on my life to be salt to be salt. And there was this one guy that I worked with all the time, and we'd go out and run calls together, and he was living with his girlfriend, and he wasn't saved, but he did have a religious background. And so, you know, I just lived my life in front of him, and he knew that I was a Christian. Now, I may have told this story to you before, but, but I left that place and, and took on another job, and a couple of years passed, and one night I got a phone call at my house from a guy I hadn't heard from in a couple of years. And it was this guy that I used to run service calls with. And we rode together in the truck. And he called me up and he said, hey, Paul, this is, this is Marty. And I said, hey, Marty, how's it going, man? I hadn't talked to you in a very long time. And he kind of just, you know, talked about the weather and really didn't say much at all. And, and finally, I just said, well, Marty, I, I know you didn't call me to talk about the weather. What's going on? And he said, well, I got saved last night. And you were the first person I wanted to call. You know, see, God's called us to be salt. God's called us to be a preservative wherever we're at with our family. Maybe your father's lost. You can lead him to Christ. By the way, you live your life. Maybe your mother's lost. You can live your, you can see her come to know Christ by the way you live your life. Maybe a brother, a sister, an uncle, maybe grandparents. Maybe there's a friend at work or a coworker or somebody you know that. See, God's called us to be a preservative. See, we're not here to contribute to the decay of culture. We're not here to be absorbed into the culture. We're called to make a difference in the culture. Number three, the third characteristic of salt, salt penetrates. Salt penetrates. Salt changes 
whatever it comes into contact with by penetrating it and changing it with its essence. Because salt makes everything better when it penetrates it. I mean, you put it on french fries, it's instantly better. You put it on eggs, it's instantly better. It doesn't matter what you put salt on, it penetrates it. It makes it instantly better. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 23, Ephesians 4, 23, listen, it says, Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And now you belong to him in the realm of true holiness. See, when Jesus came into my life, I'm telling you, I got saved to the bone. I mean, I got him in my bones. I'm not just talking about I I read the Bible and I follow rules. I'm talking Jesus... He got in my, in my bones. He changed me. And now, you know, I just can't help from telling everybody about him that I run into. You know, it's kind of like, when, you know, we got people in here who are auto mechanics. You know what auto mechanics talk about a lot? Automotive cars, trucks, whatever. Anything that's got wheels and runs up and down the road, they're talking about it. And people are asking them questions about it. And so as you identify as a believer, what's your conversation about? What, what do you identify with? See, our new life in Christ is to penetrate the world around us and change it. And we don't do this by avoiding sinners. You can't change the world by avoiding sinners. You change the world by coming into contact with sinners and making a difference in their life by the way you live your life. And obviously we don't want to be obnoxious about that. And we want to be wise about that. And we want to walk in love when we share truth, but that is the way we change things. We do it like salt. We penetrate. Number four, the fourth characteristic of salt, salt flavors. Now I eat eggs for breakfast. I don't know how many of y'all have eggs for breakfast. I'm a breakfast person. Do we have breakfast people in here? Uh, wow, we got a lot of breakfast people in here. You know, some of you are like, I don't eat breakfast. I would die if I didn't eat breakfast. I'd, and I would probably turn into, well, have y'all ever heard of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? <laughs> I get, what's that term, hangry, right? Hangry, you know, the Snickers commercial. That would be me. But I probably wouldn't eat eggs if it wasn't for salt. They're just bland. They have no flavor whatsoever. But then when you put salt on them, wow, they're really, really good. Like French fries and many other things. You know, salt just makes everything taste better because it flavors it. Salt's awesome. It takes bland, tasteless, boring food, and it makes it exciting food. And that's exactly what we ought to be doing every single day with everybody that we come into contact with. You know, when you walk into the doors of your office or you guys at TC, you know, you come into the room or, or you guys and gals at, at Shalom, you come into the room. People ought to want to embrace you because of the, the, the nice flavor that you bring to life. In other words, we leave a good taste in people's mouths, not a bad taste in people's mouths. You know, I've got people that I just love being around. I would be around them all the time if I could because... They flavor up my life. 
you know, they make my life so much more flavorful because of what they bring to my life. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5 together. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Well, I can already see I'm going to have to really (laughs) kick it into overdrive. Wow. All right. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. So here's, here's some verses describing this flavoring effect that I'm talking about. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, and that's like rightness or integrity, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and the strength of the Spirit. Now, you take a shaker full of that and sprinkle it on your, sprinkle it on your world and watch what happens. <laughs> I'm just telling you, life is going to get instantly better in your home. Life is going to get instantly better in your life. Life is going to get instantly better in your workplace. Because when you start sprinkling out the fruit of the Spirit on people like salt, I mean, it just flavors everything. See, that will flavor everything, and that's what we want. Number five, salt spreads, salt spreads, just a small sprinkle of salt, it spreads, you know, like if you have a pot of beans that you're making, and I was around a bunch of cowboys this past weekend, and they made this concoction of, of beans, it was amazing, but it had salt in it, and salt spreads, and see, that's, but, but here's the thing, you got to get the right amount of salt, Right? Uh, any of you that cook, no. Too much salt, eh, not good. You're like, whoo, boy, that's really salty, right? Sometimes I've had salsa that had too much salt in it or chili that had too much or soup. But then on the other end, you, you can't have too little. Because how many of y'all have ever said, hey, your wife may have told you guys, hey, taste this chili, taste this soup. Tell me what you think about it. Or some of you guys, you know, taste this and you taste it and... And they say, does it need salt? And you said, yeah, it needs a little salt. How many of you have ever been there? It just, just, just needs a little bit of salt. See, too little salt and nothing changes. You can't tell any difference. But, but too much salt can be overkill and it makes it undesirable. So as we are being salt around people, we have to make sure that we're the right amount of salt. See, you can't go overboard with your salt you put a bad taste in people's mouth, you turn them off. But at the same time, you, you gotta, you gotta be salt. The Bible says salt that loses its saltiness, what good is it? So you've gotta be salt. So we gotta make sure that we don't come on too strong and put a bad taste in people's mouth when we're being a witness for Jesus. But we also gotta make sure that we're actually flavoring our workplace with the Spirit of God, that we're flavoring our homes with the Spirit of God. So here's kind of the way I encourage you to do. Start out with less salt. It's better to have less than too much because once you put too much, it's too much, right? But if you start out with not enough, you can always come back next week and add a little more, right? And the next week and add a little bit more and the next week and add a little bit more. But too much or too little of anything is not good. So we want to make sure we find that balance. Amen? So those are our five characteristics. Now, 
another thing about salt, salt has two elements. Two, two elements, you know, when, you, when we dig salt up, you know, it's, our stuff is different than what it actually looks like. You know, they bleach it, clean it, and get it all looking white and then break it up. But salt has two elements, sodium and chlorine. Those are two basic elements in salt, sodium and chlorine. So sodium is this ugly brown-looking rock that comes out of the earth. Did y'all know that? And by itself, it's pretty much useless. It's just this ugly old brown rock that comes out of the earth, and by itself, it's pretty much, pretty much useless. Chlorine is this colorless gas. It's invisible to the eye. So when you mix what is seen with what is unseen, you get salt. See, God takes us, and on our own, we're pretty much useless, but when he adds that unseen, when he adds his life, his spirit, his quality to our life, that see, we become salt, and we become a blessing. Matthew 5.13, your lives are like salt among the people, but if you like salt become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Look at your neighbor and say, you are salt. You are salt. All right, verse 14 of Matthew chapter 5. We're back at our main scripture. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. In other words, you can't have a little video light. If you're going to see a light from a distance, it's got to bright. It's got to be a big, bright light. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things that you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Jesus, uh, in John chapter 8, this is what he said. I am light to the world, and those who embrace me will experience the life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. And I can truly say, I have had dark days since I've met Jesus, but I've never walked in darkness since I met him. Jesus has illuminated my life ever since. Jesus said he was the light of the world, and then he said, you're the light of the world. See, he, he pointed us, said, I'm the light of the world, you're the light of the world. And, it, and it's important to understand that we have light because of Jesus. Now, if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't have light. Amen? How about you? I mean, as a matter of fact, I don't even like thinking of what I would be like I remember what I was like without Jesus, and there was no light. We have no light apart from Jesus. And, you know, when God shows us this example in nature, it's pretty cool. You know, how many of you ever walked out in the night sky and looked up and saw the stars, saw the moon? How many of you walked out in the daytime and looked out and saw the beautiful sun just glowing? And, well, we haven't really seen that much lately. But, hey, we're believing that it's going to happen. And so nature reveals to us the plan of God, the nature of God, and the character of God. So, you know, we have solar eclipse and we have lunar eclipse. We have both of those. You know, every, every few years we get to see those and they're pretty cool. You know, we go buy the glasses and do the whole thing and, you know, get the cardboard and let it shine or through the paper and, you know, we see the crescent or whatever as the, as the eclipse is happening. But a solar eclipse is an event in which the moon passes between the sun and the earth. Okay, that's a solar eclipse. The moon passes between the sun and the earth. So here's the sun, 
here's the earth, and the moon passes before it. Now, we know that God, when God made creation, he said, I'm making the greater light, which is the sun, and the lesser light, which is the moon. Now, we know that the moon has no light within itself. It's not a sun. It's a planet. The moon only reflects the light that comes from the sun. So when we have a solar eclipse and the moon passes between the sun and the earth, the earth becomes dark. So we understand that when religion and tradition gets in the way of God, the world becomes dark. Now, the opposite is true with a lunar eclipse. The world comes between the sun and the moon. And when the world gets in our life, it darkens our spiritual life. See that? So see, God just tells the stories of the heavens and what salvation looks like in all of his creation. So we're going to be talking about the qualities of light, the qualities of light. But we have to remember that Jesus is the true source of all light. It's only Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only light. So let's talk about these five characteristics. Number one, light is clear and pure. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and 10 says, Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with him, and your mission is to live as children flooded with this revelation light. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. See, light makes things pure. It has healing properties. When you're in the light, your mind and your heart become pure. That's what it does. Light, light makes things clear. Light removes confusion. It makes things clear. When I'm in darkness, things aren't clear. I'm confused. But when I'm in the light, things are very clear to me. So you, you can see when you're in the light, all confusion leaves because the light brings clarity to your life. So light is clear and pure. Number two. Light enlightens and guides. It enlightens and guides. John chapter 12, verse 35, it says, Jesus said, You will have the light shining with you for only a little while longer. While you still have me, walk in the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you. For when you walk in the dark, you have no idea where you're going. So believe and cling to the light while I'm with you so that you will become children of the light. See, the light of the Lord enlightens a person's vision. See, when Jesus came into my life, everything changed for Paul Kern. And where I had these scales over my eyes and I lived this very worldly life, all of a sudden these dark scales fell off and my life, my life began to be enlightened and the Holy Spirit began to guide me. So where my path was dimly lit and I couldn't see, all of a sudden now I've got this light guiding me into a future of blessings, guiding me into a future of hope, a future of joy, a, a, a future of clarity. So when you're in a situation where the path is hard to make out and it's hard for you to see, what will you say? Turn the lights up. 
right? How many of y'all ever said that? Hey, turn the lights up so I can see what's going on. I can't see what I'm doing. Turn the lights up. Or maybe you're doing something. Somebody's holding a flashlight for you. You say, hey, get that light back over here. I can't see what I'm doing. They, they shine that light because that light makes it possible for you to see. Light helps gives us knowledge and understanding when things aren't clear. Number three, the third characteristic, light reveals. It reveals. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world, and I reveal the Father to you. Listen to the scripture in John chapter 14, verse 9. This is so good. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own. They come from my Father. For he lives in me and he performs miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me. Now, this is what Jesus wants you and I doing, amen? Or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. So see, without Jesus, we're left in the dark, pun intended. When it... You know, when it comes to knowing what our Father looks like anyway, we're left in the dark. But Jesus, because he is the light, he reveals what the Father looks like, and we know exactly what our Father God looks like because we can look at Jesus. Amen? The fourth characteristic, light strips away the fear of darkness. Now, I remember when I was a kid, darkness was not a good quality to have around, (laughs) I did not want to have anything to do with darkness. Darkness scared me. <clears throat> How many of y'all remember when you were a kid and you were sleeping in your bed and you'd pull your sheets up over your head? How many of y'all remember that? And it was like your sheet, your, your covers were like a force field or something. They were going to protect you from all the woolly boogers that's out, that are out there in your room and under your bed and all of that. And one reason I had such a terrible fear of the dark is my older brother would hide under my bed and scare me half to death. And I'm trying still to forgive him at 53 years of age, way later in life. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world and those who embrace me will experience life giving light and they will never walk in darkness. See, when you come into an area where it's dark, it produces fear. It produces fear. Darkness is the devil's domain. That's why when you go into a club, the windows are always blacked out. I've never been in a club the windows weren't blacked out. Now, I've been in a lot of businesses in town. The windows weren't blacked out. I've been in clothing stores. I've been in restaurants to eat. I've done business in Walmart and Lowe's and different places, and none of their windows are blacked out. But if you go into a nightclub or a bar, the windows are going to be blacked out. You know why? Because that's a counterfeit to the church. See, we come in here, and we fellowship together, and I stand up here, and, and, you know, I minister the Word, and, you know, we all partake and drink of the goodness of the Lord, and we leave here filled and blessed. Well, the same thing happens in a bar. The bartender, he's just a counterfeit to the pastor. The club is just a counterfeit to fellowship. You come in, the bartender, he ministers spirits to you. You get filled with them, and you leave with them. But it's darkness. It's not light. See, light removes fear. It's amazing. As soon as the light comes on, like if you're scared, what do you say? Turn that light on. 
and boom, when that light comes on, I mean, you're better. I remember I grew up on a farm, and we had all kinds of livestock and whatnot, but but my because my dad was psycho and he had to raise everything in the world. But we had a whole bunch of chickens and, and all different breeds, and we raised these chickens, and they, they laid eggs for us, you know, and got fresh eggs. And But my dad would always wait till it got about 9 o'clock, and it got dark, and he'd say, hey, man, you need to go out there and close that chicken pen. And I'd be like, shoot, I forgot. And about the time I was going out the door, my dad would say, watch out for Bigfoot. Or watch out for the werewolf. Or watch out for the vampire. And I'd be like, oh, dad, cut it out. Until I got out there in the dark, and I'm like, (laughs) you're scared after death, right? And so I got... I was a really fast white boy, let me tell you. I could run out there to that chicken coop, get that door shut, and be back in that house in like 30 seconds flat. And right when I got to the door, you know, you're running all the way up to you, walk in. <laughs> How was it? No problem. You go in your room, you're like, <gasps> it's terrible. Why are dads so mean sometimes? Why did they do that? It's like, my dad did it to me, and by God, I'm going to do it to you. <laughs> Number five, light protects. Light protects. We light up buildings. We light up parking lots. We light up parks. We light up outdoor areas because light protects us from what the darkness invites. And if you want to live in safety, you have to cling to the light. Walk in areas of life that are well lit. Don't put yourself in places of darkness. Darkness is where the devil thrives. That's where he rules and reigns. Hidden sin, that's an area of darkness. The devil can rule you there. Bring your life into a place of light, accountability. Be honest and open. Have people in your life that you can say, man, I gotta tell you something. I've gotta confess my sins. The Bible says if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So see, we got to live in the light. Jesus is showing us how to live blessed, successful lives as we walk in the light. We want to walk in the light. You know, as I close tonight, I encourage you, don't cover up your light. Walk in the light. And I encourage you, be salt. Be salt. Let, let, let the life of Jesus live through you and everyone that you come into contact with. Look for opportunities to be salt. Look for opportunities to be light. Look for opportunities to be a person who makes a difference. Amen? Did y'all get something out of this tonight? God bless you. God bless you. Stand up. Stand up with me. We'll pray together. God, help us to be salt and light. Lord, give us wisdom. Help us draw people to you. God, we ask for divine appointments. Help us to be a blessing everywhere we go. God, we love you tonight. We thank you for saving us. And Lord, we just ask that you just continue, God, to work on our hearts. Make our hearts pure, Lord. Stir the hunger within us, God, that we want to spend time with you as our Father.
Lord, it won't just go through the motions of religion, trying to follow a bunch of rules, do everything right. But God, that we truly, truly seek to know you as our Father and we connect with you. And as we do that, Lord, your essence, it penetrates us. And it changes us. And God, that's what we need. That's what we want, Lord. We don't want to be the same person every day, God. We want to go from glory to glory. We want to be transformed. God, we want that ugliness in our life to be turned into beauty. God, we want our short tempers, God, to be taken away so that we can walk in love and patience with one another. God, that we can truly exemplify the fruit of the Spirit walking in in real joy and peace and love. So God, tonight we just submit our hearts to you as we are sitting through this teaching on the Sermon of the Mount. And Jesus, we know how powerful it was when you preached it. When you originally preached it, Jesus, it was so powerful. It changed hearts and lives. Lord, let us not come to church and be religious and just sit through the motions and and miss the life-changing potential of the Spirit of God moving on our hearts. Lord, we need you desperately. Every day we need you, Lord. So God, go before us this week. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.